0: Hello, this is Ernie Johnson, owner of Anashira. It's early in the morning, and I've just come back from the gym. Now, two things are for sure when I get home from the gym. Number one, I'm tired. And number two, I'm hungry. As uh, my friend used to say in France, I'm hungry. Now, I've told you we lived in the mountains of western North Carolina, and it's not far from Asheville. We shop there, we go there, we have lots of friends in Asheville, it's not too hard to get over there. And one thing's great about this area is people believe in buying local, in eating local, in giving local. And of course, we look for locally produced products, locally grown food. So I'm making these burritos for breakfast, and I fry some sausage. It's produced here in the area from pasture-raised pork. They aren't stuck in some pen eating slop. And there's uh, not much salt and very little fat in this sausage. And I grow sweet potatoes. And I baked uh, four of them last night, so I cut up one left over. And I pour some olive oil in the pan now. This is the same oil I make my soaps out of. And I throw in some onions with a sweet potato. Uh, Hey, do you know how to store sweet potatoes? Well, potatoes you put in a root cellar because they need cool kind of damp environment. Cabbages you put in a fridge. And sweet potatoes like a warm, dry place. So I store ours, believe it or not, in boxes under our bed. Now, we harvested these last September... Man, we still have almost 20 pounds, and uh, they're still good. We eat them all the time. A sweet potato sends out vines. It looks like a pumpkin or a melon. And this year, I planted 100 slips, so we're going to have a load of them. So then I uh, scramble up some eggs. I heat up some handmade tortillas, and I cook a couple of omelets. Put the potatoes and the sausage on top of them. Put them on the tortillas. Put on a big helping of my goat milk chevre cheese on the top. Oh, man. And, oh, on top of that, my homemade salsa. Now, that's a burrito. That'll keep a person going for a good while. I can't forget to thank Anashira for making these podcasts possible. You can find our podcasts on iTunes every Wednesday, Or pick them up on our website. If you enjoy them, please rate them and write some reviews. If you didn't, just send me an email. You may wonder where I'm going with this intro. Well, I had to tell you about my breakfast to tell you about eggs, which come from the subject for this week, which is chickens. Chickens, those creatures with feathers that cackle and squawk. You see them in many westerns and about every film that has villages with Mexican banditos. I told you that growing up on the City Edge Guernsey farm, we had chickens. Now, they weren't pets. We didn't get attached to them. We slaughtered them. We ate them. And their eggs were delicious. They ate all the garbage we had. I always wanted my own chickens. I wanted my own fresh eggs. But when you live in places like downtown San Francisco or downtown Madrid, Spain, or in Berlin next to the wall, uh, you can't have chickens. Or certainly if you live in an Airstream travel trailer driving all over the place, you can't have them. So finally, we got here to the mountains of western North Carolina, plenty of space. Not a whole lot of regulations. I can have chickens. Now, Dawn, my lovely wife, also grew up on a dairy. Not in California, but in Wisconsin. And they had chickens. And they ate the eggs and they ate the chickens. And they had a rooster, which tortured her when she was a kid. It would peck her, it'd chase her around. She said, all of us kids were afraid of this thing. I was terrified of him. I was a little girl, seven or eight. The rooster was huge. Now, she went into the kitchen one day, very upset, said to her mom, I'm going to kill that rooster. Now, her mom, thinking she was just joking, says, "Okay, honey, have a good time. So Dawn went out, grabbed a hoe, and went looking for it. I chased him around with that hoe? Well, she won't let me tell you what happened next. Suffice it to say, a couple of hours later, her father walks into the kitchen. What the heck happened to that rooster? There are feathers everywhere. That caused Dawn to have a great dislike of chickens. She says, don't count on me for help with any of that chicken business. Okay, okay. So I'm on my own with this project. I go to Clifton for help. I really had no idea how to go about... Well, I did have an idea, but I didn't know exactly what to do. So we lived, and at the time, right below this house was the forest. Not only trees, but vines and burrs and brambles and briars, multiflora rose, wild honeysuckle. And, you know, worse yet, the guy who had lived here for seven years, I think was a little bit wild, he and his buddies used to drink a lot of bottles of beer And they drink a bottle and they toss it down in the forest. They figure, hey, never going to get in our way. I had bottles broken all over the place. You could barely get through this stuff into the woods. So Clifton and I pick out a spot. It's under a huge white pine tree, an eastern white pine. It's about 20 feet down from the edge of our garden in the woods. So we clear out the underbrush. Get it ready. It's, a, it's actually a beautiful spot. We lay out the building. It's going to be four foot by eight foot. It's going to have a 10 roof. Right next to it, it's going to have a fenced-in area covered, surrounded by wire. It'll be an aviary attached to their house, to their coop. And uh, one of the most important things to start with is a fence post. So I say to Clifton, I'll go down to Lowe's and buy 10 treated posts. He looks at me, are you kidding? Now, you've heard me mention locust trees, yellow locust. Man, this is an amazing wood. It's resistant to fungi. It rots very, very slowly. It can lay dead on the floor of the forest for years and years, and it's still perfect condition. And I mean, lots of years. It's a hardwood. It's used for fence posts, as beams. It won't rot in the ground, like I said. I've seen posts that have been in the ground for 70 years plus. Still hard. Still perfect condition. Now, this wood is hard to cut with a chainsaw. And there are no thorns on these trees. And when you split it, it splits straight and relatively easily. One thing that does damage to living trees is carpenter ants. They eat their way in. They live there, they go all the way up, they live in colonies, and woodpeckers love these ants. So these woodpeckers hammer the trees, they make holes, and they eat the ants out. And you'll see locusts with dozens of holes all up and down them. The trees are still alive, they just got full of holes. So I went down in the holler and I found a two-foot-thick locust tree lying dead on the floor of the forest. It had been there for years and years. And I don't know how many years it had been there. So we cut it into eight foot lengths to split. And to do this, you drive a fairly heavy axe into the end of the post, and that opens up a crack. You may have to hit the head of the axe a couple times to open the crack. Then you drive a steel wedge into that crack using a sledgehammer. Well, we use a splitting maul. Locally, they call that a go-devil. I don't know why. Go-devil. You drive that wedge, it opens up the crack, Then you drive another wedge further down in the crack, opens it up, free up the one wedge. You get to the end, you whack it with that go-devil, and uh, it splits open. And then you've got a post. And some of this wood you split twice. You can get four posts out of one eight-foot section of log. Now, this wood is heavy, too. It's heavier than oak. So, Clifton watches me split one and gives me a little bit of advice, gives me his blessing. Now, don't forget to cut a wedge at the bottom end. Leave it sharp. The end you put in the ground makes it last longer. All right. So swinging this mall, driving these wedges, seeing the results of my labor. You know, it's, it's uh, feeling good. I'm thinking, this is what Abe Lincoln did as a boy and as a young man, splitting fence rails. So I finished these eight posts. I hooked them up with a chain, drug them behind the mule up to the edge of the garden. And uh, then I dug two foot deep holes for each of them with a post hole digger. And uh, this is not really easy digging because this forest has rocks in it. It's not like you're out in a field digging a hole. Two foot deep is a little further than you might think. And uh, so the post is gonna go in there and it's gonna be six feet high. So Clifton helps me set the posts, uh, no cement. They're in the ground, pack the dirt, put water in around them, hardens it up. We don't put cement around our posts. We nail on the top plates. We set the bottom plates. We nail on the walls. We build some egg nests, because chickens like a nest to lay their eggs in. We build an enclosed aviary like in a zoo, so they can be outside if they choose. This is covered on all sides by chicken wire and other wire, double layer of wire, the sides and the top to protect them from predators. Uh, we set roosts inside their coop and outside because, well, chickens love to sit up on a roost day and night. They'll sit up there and preen for a good portion of the afternoon. We cut a door out of the wall uh, as an exit form, build a sliding door so we can shut it. And I can open it in the mornings. And uh, all right, now the chickens co- can go out when they want. And then go in at night. I shut the door. And they're safe. So I'm all set. Now all we need is chickens. So Clifton knows some guy who has a commercial operation, big operation, thousands of laying hens, chickens. And uh, he has comets, which is a type of chicken. And he wants to downsize, reduce one of these big giant barns that he has. So he's selling these chickens for $5 a piece to people he knows, So we drive out there, got some boxes. This is a huge building and it's got inside nests along the top of the building. And the chicken will go up there lay its eggs, which drop through a hole onto a conveyor belt, which keeps running. And uh, otherwise they go and they walk around on the cement. Now lights are on 24 hours a day because it keeps them laying more. It's warm cuz they like warm environments. There are no roosts. There's no dirt. It's not a nice place to live. But chickens look okay, so we grab eight chickens. We put them in boxes and we head home. Now just so you know, if you go to the store and you see a carton of eggs that says cage-free, you might think, "Okay, these chickens had a good life. They didn't live in cages." I'll buy those eggs. Well, The chickens who live in this environment, in this factory, their eggs are called cage-free, huh? No access to natural light, no out of doors. We get home with these eight birds. I was excited. I'd made a sign for those chickens. I posted it on the side of their coop. Now, the hen house is down a hill from our house, and the sign was big enough to read from a kitchen window. It said, Welcome home, girls. Now get to work. It's been almost seven years, and I still have that sign in the garage. I thought I was pretty funny. Uh, I think I'm the only one that thought I was funny. Well, we started getting eggs immediately. And after a few days, after they were used to their new digs, I opened the door to let them outside, let them get out, walk around. And Manny had brought over a rooster as a present. They need a rooster, he said. So they wandered around, they ate grass, they ate worms. They do love worms, and they especially like bugs. They'd never been outdoors, they'd never seen the sun, they'd never walked on dirt. They were very happy birds. They kept wandering further and further, and they'd hang around the rooster and eventually got out in my garden. Now, people who are not familiar with chickens sometimes ask, do you need a rooster for a hen to lay an egg? Uh, No, you don't need a rooster. They produce eggs with one or without one. Well, why do you have a rooster? Uh, A rooster does several things. Number one, he keeps peace between unhappy hens. He steps in the middle of it. Uh, He warns them of predators. Predators especially a hawk. He'll let out a loud screech when he sees a hawk and they all take cover. They jump under a bush, they run inside, and they quiet. They remain quiet for a while. A rooster, and this is what I found very interesting, will point out food to his hens. He'll stand over a bug, over a worm, over some corn that we've thrown out, and he'll start clucking in a special way. Uh, I think he says, bug, 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 come get it. It's strange. Frequently, the rooster won't eat it. He won't touch it. He'll wait, continue clucking until a hen comes over and eats it. And some hens follow him around all day. And they do it for a while, then others will step in. And lastly, what a rooster does is their main biological function is to fertilize the eggs. Now, if you want to hatch any eggs of your chicken's, A rooster is, of course, mandatory. You can immediately tell the difference between a store-bought egg and one from a country chicken. The yolk of one is a light yellow, and that's a store-bought, and the other is a bright orange. And the difference in flavor is even more distinct. A fried egg becomes a meal fit for a king. So we had eggs from day one. We had enough to give away to our neighbors who shared their eggs with us for months, We sold some eggs to friends and people we knew. It was quite a thing. I counted the number of eggs we got every day, and I wrote them down in my day timer. And gradually, the number of eggs went down, then down further. We thought it was their cycle. Every chicken lays for months and then molts and rests. Takes a break from laying eggs. Thought it might be that what was happening thought it might be a snake black snakes slither in there and uh, grab their eggs and eat them one day I go in there and I find a chicken standing over an egg that's partially eaten it had egg yolk all over its beak now some people don't know if a chicken tastes a raw egg it loves it it's a great source of protein and calcium And once it eats an egg, it never stops eating eggs. So I grabbed that chicken. I put it in a box. Now Dawn and some of her friends, friends of ours, went to a salon that was not far from here to get pedicures and manicures. And Manny, Manny, our friend and neighbor, had sold the owner of this thing some ducks and geese. And they were Vietnamese and they'd butcher them and eat them. So I drove down there with a chicken in a box, and I found the guy, Tony, in the back. I say, hey, Tony, you want a chicken to eat? I'll give this one to you for free. He looks at me and says, why? Well, she eats eggs. I can't have her around. Okay, I'll take her. Now, she was a pretty bird, but she was no good to me. So these chickens in the egg factory... Generally, they went up to their nest to lay. But some hens didn't make it up there. They didn't like to go or whatever. And they lay right on the cement floor of that factory. If that happens, the eggs break and chickens come over and they eat the egg. And once they learn to eat it, they'd keep it up. And uh, that's what happened to our chickens. So I thought I'd culled out the one problem. But the number eggs went down. Oh, man. I started checking often. And I caught other chickens eating eggs. Man, I got to get rid of them all. So I drove down to the nail salon. And I got Tony. Hey, did you enjoy the chicken I gave you? Yes, it was delicious. I have seven more. I need $8 a piece. You want them? Well, that's what I'd get in an auction if I took them there. Let me call my friend. Okay. Yeah, I waited. He came back. Okay. Seven chickens, $8 each. When can I have them? I said, I'll be back in an hour and a half. Okay. So I drove home. I got Clifton. We loaded them into two boxes, drove back down. The manager had a couple of friends there. So I said, okay, seven chickens times eight, $56 and we'll be on our way. Now, they were dragging their feet. They were talking. They were pointing. They were looking around. He says, can I look at them? Now, I'd said to Clifton a few minutes before that, hey, they may be getting cold feet, and once I get this done, jump in that truck, and let's get the hell out of here. Okay. So, I said to the man, yeah, you can look, but it's all or nothing, and it's the same as a chicken I gave you. If you liked her, you'll like these. He looks, he thinks, finally, well, okay. So he hands me the cash, we jump in, and we got out of there. Now, we'd already talked to a friend of Manny's who said he was willing to sell me eight of his chickens for $6 a piece. So we drive out to his place, and we got eight chickens. I pay him $48. So I took the difference that I'd got, and I'd paid Eight dollars. I put that in my pocket. Well, these hens were good layers. They were friendly. There were some comets, and there were a couple of chickens they call Australian Black Orpingtons, otherwise known as Astralorps. And I thought my problem was solved, but you know what? My troubles weren't over. I only thought they were. But hey, I can't tell you about that right now. We're out of time. You remember I told you about the Asheville Open Tennis Championship? I was there last weekend manning the beer booth. Like I told you, we sold a lot of delicious beer, and I got to buy a couple of beers for listeners of this podcast who happened to be there. Of course, I couldn't buy one for myself until I was off duty, and I did have one. So drive over to Aston Park this weekend if you're in town. The juniors are playing. We have some great local talent. You may see one of them at the U.S. Open one day. Hey, I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for Anashira. I told you a few weeks ago that I've been developing a new soap using as one of the ingredients the wonderful oil of jojoba. Well, I've got it done. Two years of perfecting it, and it'll be out in about six weeks. But don't wait for it. We have plenty of Playa del Mar, summer soap. Use discount code STORIES15 for your 15% discount. If you think I've left you hanging, well, maybe a little bit, I have more to tell you about my chickens in next week's Stories from Anashira.